Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast. It's episode 20. We hope you all are currently relaxing, indulging, and spending some time reflecting on 2021 and getting very excited to head into 2022. We love ending the year with this type of episode. Molly and I talk about, as people leaders, how much we enjoy, as well as the importance of fighting for your people. We also reflect back on what we loved about 2021 and the best thing about skiing that I think many of you will agree with. Thank you all saucers so much for listening and joining us on this journey of during 2021, sending much love to you and your families over this holiday season. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues, churned friends, who have worked together at the same company for nearly 10 years. Molly and I were born three weeks apart on opposite coasts of the U.S., and while we are nearly the same age, today our personal lives are quite different, and while we share the same job title at work, our paths to getting there have been quite different. Join us each week on the sauce podcast where we will share tips tricks and lessons we've learned together over the last 10 years we both say it's our shared values of hard work to always do our best with a little bit of zaw that has led us to both our friendship and professional success we hope you tune in each week enjoy and have a little bit of fun with us along the way hi lizzie Hi, Mal. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm good. It's. Um, I wish it were colder here in Denver. We oh, have yeah. had such warm, warm weather all you know fall and now into December. We have had very little snow. So just uh, you know, crossing our fingers for white Christmas coming up here. Ooh, I feel like the fam, the McKinstry fam, would love a white Christmas. Oh yes, we sure we sure do. How was your weekend? Um, weekend was good, you know, um, pretty chill as I get ready to go home. This is going to come out at the end of December, but I'm getting ready to go home to the U S. Um, and just really making sure I get a negative COVID test is the goal here. Um, yes, yes. so I, I actually watched, I just, I won't, we won't drone on about it, but, um, I think it's called the rescue. It's a documentary over here in London. It's on Disney plus, but I think they're, um, shoot, I can't remember what it's on, but it's called The Rescue. And it's about the soccer, the Thai soccer team that got stuck in the cave in, Th- in Northern Thailand. And I remember hearing about it when it came out and I was kind of obsessed because there was this big, you know, figuring the process yeah. to, to figure yeah. out what to do, what the rescue looked like. Oh, the documentary, you guys. I mean, I can't even, but highly recommend. So watched that and just kind of hung out. Um, the week before we did a big walk around the city to get into the, for me, celebrating Christmas, the Christmas spirit. Also, I think Hanukkah as well. It just kicked off, but a lot of fun decorations and stuff. So getting into the European UK holidays over here, but now kind of hanging tight as I get ready to fly home for the holidays. Oh, so, so good. I know it's going to be so fun and special for you to be with your fam and you're headed to Hawaii. Yep. So yes. as we talked about, yep. So this will be our 10th year going to Hawaii for Christmas. And I I think the island calls, calls the soul is feeling the island. The island calls my name. So yeah. can't wait to get there for, um, for Christmas. I believe it. That's yeah. so fun. Well, we went skiing this weekend. It was our first ski weekend of the season. And as I said previously, there's not enough snow. So yeah. I would say more like 
socializing and having fun for the adults than actual skiing this weekend. But, you know, we've got, we've got a full season ahead. Yeah. But um, our three bigger kids, Hanley, Lily and Quinn are all doing ski school with some of their really best buds. So it's so fun. And just these little kids, I feel like are just going to have the best winter ever, every Saturday skiing with their, their besties. Legit, like the dream. Mall, are you what? What mountain are you going to in in Colorado? Beaver Creek. We we okay. ski Beaver Creek. This is well. We've actually done a handful of different mountains before. We had kids. We always skied Vale. Then when we had our kids, we tried Winter Park for a few years. This will be our second year back at Beaver Creek, and um, it's just we love it. Our some of our very best friends go as well, mm. and it's just kind of like a weekend. I don't know. It's just, it's really fun. In the mountains. So good. Love it, Mall. And I'm glad that, what a special memory for your children, because I remember our parents put us on a school bus or like a bus from our hometown up to the mountains in Seattle. And we would go with our neighbor friends and it was at 5 a.m. I think I was seven or eight years old. And it's still to this day, some of the best memories. Like talk about independence, going to ski school with a friend, but like new and for your kiddo's age, like it's, I think it's so cool that they get that experience, Mall. I know. And, you know, we knew that Hanley, our son, would love it and be ready. And truly, the group is, you know, some of his very closest friends. So we knew he would love it. Lily, who's almost seven, I felt like she'd do pretty well. Same, a bunch of her closest girlfriends. Um, but Quinn, our, my almost five-year-old, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, I mean, she may just refuse. She just may say like, no way, no how. Yeah. And she didn't. She was pumped at drop-off. We waved goodbye. And then at oh, the end of the day, geez. she was just like, it was so fun. I loved it. And you know, I think I've shared a little bit maybe about Quinn on the sauce. She's my most temperamental child um, Mm -hmm. at this point anyway. So you kind of never know what you're going to get. And we got a really positive, happy little skier. So it was super fun. But I will tell you, it was five degrees on Saturday when when these kids skied. Five degrees. Was it sunny? freezing cold. It was sunny. Yeah. I, you know, throughout the day, Ty and I are skiing and we went and got lunch with some friends and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I hope our kids are tougher than me because like I am freezing. Um, And of course they were, of course they were. I asked them if they were cold and Hanley told me he he was sweating the whole time from just racing down bumps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, You are way more hardcore than me, my friend. I love it. And Maul, are they all skiing or any any snowboarders? No snowboarders. No. I can't remember if we talked about this as well, but Ty is a Colorado native, born and raised. And most Colorado, I think, natives like have the sense of like skiing and and purism Mm. and that skiing, if you are from Colorado and like you actually love and appreciate powder and snow, there is a bit of a, there's a bit of a polarizing view on snowboarding over skiing. Yes. So we have a little bit of a, we only ski kind of thing in Colorado. There is a little bit, you know, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not even saying I partake. (laughs) I am saying though, that if my kids asked my husband, if they could try to snowboard, he would have a really, it would like be a really hard moral thing for him. 
in okay yeah i love yeah. that i love that mom very, very i remember when snow was <laughs> so funny but um i love it and i love that the kids are skiing i mean mountain life is the best life eat and they stayed warm and i love i'm really happy to hear that quinny felt fulfilled on the trip so what a what a and every weekend you're gonna go up there mom is that what it's, it's, gonna it's basically every weekend between now and the middle of March. Um, there's, there's, they don't have ski school MLK weekend or president's day weekend for those in the U S and those two weekends. Cause they're just typically so busy with like yeah. other tourists and vacationers. So those two weekends, we probably won't go up and kind of like take a little break like, from the drive. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, if you look at a calendar, it's like eight of the next 11 weekends we're going. So fun. And we won't get into it. We can continue on here. But my favorite thing is like what food are they eating on the mountain? Because I think mountain food's like the best. Baked potatoes were like my favorite thing as a child. I skied my butt off to get a baked potato with my sister. That was my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it so much. They, you know, they're kind of left to their own devices too. They they basically get to order with their, with their instructor and their little pod. So I don't know. I, I'm sure it's just, you know, chicken tenders, (laughs) burgers, fries, you know, all, all the good stuff best part of that mountain life. You know what I mean? So, so it fun. It truly is. Well, good mall. Well, as this episode, I hope everyone is kind of actually in chill mode as you listen to this, maybe on a walk, kind of relaxing before the new year. Um, we spent last episode talking about um, New Year's resolutions and do you do them? Do you not? How do we feel about them? What do we do? All that fun stuff. So, For those of you that do want to do New Year's resolutions, I hope that you're sitting and kind of taking some time for that. But today we thought we would do a quick moment on reflecting back on 2021. Why not? Um, Kind of what was good, what we're thankful for between me and Molly and what we're thankful for, Molly and I. And then um, we do want to spend some time talking about, kind of end on a high note on the year, about as people leaders. um, So as people leaders, I think this is great to know. But also if you are not a people leader, I think it might be just good to hear our perspective on fighting for your people and fighting for your people potentially for um, help getting them more. And is that more training? Is that promoting your people, getting them more money for, um, for the, for value, you kind of show value in that way. Um, but in what way do we help just give our people more? I mean, I think today will probably be around promotion and or comp compensation. Is that correct, Mal? Yeah, that sounds great. I, I love that. And, you know, I think fighting for, my people anyways, has, it is one of the most gratifying parts of people leadership, like advocating for your people and helping them get the recognition and the opportunity or the solutions that they need and deserve to be successful. So, um, would love to spend some time on that. And I think both of us probably have some good, some good examples to share. Yeah, I think so for sure. So maybe we'll go mom, maybe like what, I don't know, two or three things you're thankful for this past year in 2021. Yeah. So I thought about that and, you know, I think we, we also had already shared some views on resolutions and, and do we, do we create them? And and if we do why and, and how, I also just think the end of the year is a very natural point and opportunity to reflect, to think back and reflect on, you know, what, what you're thankful for, what has gone well. I think one of the immediate things that jump out to me that I am thankful for is our community, my, my, my community, our community here in South Denver, where we live. And what I mean by that is like, obviously there's so many things over the past 18 months that have been super hard and the pandemic has just 
changed our lives so much. Yet at the same time, I feel like our schools and our group of friends and the teams we're on and just our community has all rallied together so Mm. much in a way that I truly feel like our kids and our family is almost like even in a better position than before the pandemic. And I, I don't say that you know, to be cavalier, like obviously there was so many sacrifices and and people I know have had a lot of pain and suffering through the pandemic. I am just reflecting on, I'm so grateful of how our community I think has done everything possible to have our kids together, learning in person, protecting and taking care of our teachers, our coaches, one another. And it's just been really rad to see and, and be a part of and feel like we're giving ourselves still this normal opportunity to live, though it's been an evolution for sure. Yeah. I think that sometimes the when when tragedy or hard things happen, what you can focus on focus in on is what's the positive that you can take from it. You know, and I think that we all had to learn a lot from COVID and it was high and it was low and uh, you know, heaven forbid some people lost people to it, but I think it's incredible what when we look at the positive, you know what I mean? Because there was a lot of hardship kind of all as you were saying. But when we do look at the positive of what came from it, there was some great positives that came. And I'm happy to hear that your community actually kind of came together even more. And on the, as we get more to the other side of COVID and this pandemic, there's a lot more of like close knit and potential a family feel of the community. Uh, yes. And and I think that is even what I'm what I'm trying to say too, Lizzie, is some of our friendships now just have they've gotten so much closer and strengthened because we have gone through this together, our family friendships, both to the adults and then the kids. And it, yeah. I just feel like it's such a, it's such a blessing. It's such a silver lining from the experience. And I don't know if we would have had the opportunity to foster those same type of relationships, you know, if we were never right? forced to kind of slow down, really pick who you were going to you know, kind of have in this pod, if you will. And I just feel very, very lucky. And again, thankful that um, we've been surrounded by such incredible people and again, community in, in experiencing this. So that, that's the first thing that jumps out to me for sure that I I just feel really thankful for. Yeah. Really glad. I'm really glad to hear that because I think it was hard for many people, but finding your people and finding your way, finding people, finding their way to feeling calm and happy again or during the pandemic um, was super important. And I'm glad that you found that community to help you feel that way. Totally. Yes. Thanks, Lizzie. Um, mm-hmm. What about what about you? Does one jump out for you top of mind to be most thankful for? Yeah, I think when we talked about New Year's resolutions, I like New Year's resolutions, but sometimes I won't put like apps, like, you know, exact things in place. And for 2021, I kind of wanted, 2020 was full of highs and lows, but it wasn't a bad year by any means. But the pandemic was hard being in London alone without family, close, close friends, et cetera, but had an incredible group of friends that were around. But for 2021, I just said, Liz, like show up and like do your best and kind of like let's be positive. Let's see how the year goes. And actually this year had a lot of changes for me. You know, I didn't expect to leave Glassdoor and that happened. Um, And so that happened. We started the sauce, which I think was really, really, really exciting. I really enjoyed doing this. Um, I'm thankful, Maul, to get this time with you for our community, for our community that we're building here at the sauce. Um, And from like what we're learning from, from the guests too, have been wonderful and fun to connect with people that way. 
I also think this year I started dating somebody here, um, some a British person here, a British man. He's wonderful. And I'm really, really thankful for him. And so it's been a great year, kind of a lot of news for me, I would say. Um, new relationships, new job, um, doing the sauce, living in London and somewhat coming out of a pandemic. So I actually think for a lot of the change that came, it was very, very positive. Um, and it's been really, really fun. And my soul feels very settled, although there's a lot of different things happening. So um, 2021 for me was change, actually. But I think change that I didn't realize that maybe I needed or I didn't realize that maybe I needed, but so far has been really good. Um, and as I head into 2022, probably want to set some more some more succinct um, New Year's resolutions, actually. But I think I'm just really thankful for what 2021 was. It was it was a Jan through April was really tough in the UK. Um, we were in hard, hard, hardcore lockdown and it's ugly here and I'm not used to tough winters. Um, it was rough, but coming out of that, making some changes has been wonderful. So I'm thankful for my community here and everyone that has checked on me and been wonderful to me in London. I'm thankful for my boyfriend. He's wonderful, just the kindest, sweetest and funniest human. Um, and really, you know, thankful for my years at Glassdoor and for the new journey that I'm on. Um, and the sauce, all the saucers. Thank you. So I think Mal, as I reflect back on 2021, I'm just happy and pretty calm and just like fulfilled. So that's wow. how I'd say. Oh my yeah. gosh. Just hearing all that made my heart so <laughs> full. I think you said your, your soul was full and yeah. that's just as someone who loves you so much, that makes me so happy to hear. And my goodness, you're right. So many new chapters and new beginnings yeah. for you, Lizzie, over this past year. And it's so incredible to just even hear you reflect on them and think through all of the change and the transition that you've been through. But yet here you are rounding out the year feeling calm. Yeah. That is, I don't know, that just feels really powerful because typically yeah. a lot of change and transition can be a bit unnerving or, you know, create an opportunity for some anxiety and uncertainty. Right. But that you've had all that change and you're left here thinking, your soul is full and you feel calm. Wow. That is yeah. just incredible to hear. And I think, Maul, like that is what's kind of crazy is for those of you that knew, I also moved flats here. And I will just tell you, furnishing a flat in London when you don't know furniture stores and going from a fully furnished to non is just like a task. So people know that I was kind of like, no one speak to me. I need to get my new job under control and get furniture in my apartment, et cetera. But I do think that as I reflect back, there were probably changes that I didn't know that I needed. But um you know, I have always said as I've gotten older, I would love to control and know what's going to happen. If you know me, I would love to know what's supposed to gonna happen in the future, what's supposed to happen right now. And I've worked on getting better about just kind of going through, th going through life and, and kind of tackling as it happens. So I don't know when I started 2021 that I knew all this change was going to happen, Mall. You know what I mean? When I moved to London, let me tell you, everyone that knows me, I did not think I would be dating somebody here in London. Did not know that I'd find such a wonderful, you know, I just didn't know what to expect around relationships and stuff, um, let alone jobs and stay here longer than I anticipated. So it was nice to go with the flow and pretty feel and feel calm. There's a lot of hard stuff, sure, but to feel calm, as you said, is is really nice and just shows me that as I kind of went through it and tackled each thing as it came, it probably was meant to happen. So um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of where we landed. So just again, really gratifying to hear Liz. And I'm so oh, thanks, Maul. I'm so glad you're able to reflect on on it and feel that way. Again, just as your friend and someone who cares about you so much, you deserve you deserve that. You deserve that happiness and, and that calm. 
You're the best, Maul. Yes, and so for everyone else that's listening, I hope that if you are on a walk listening to this, some people tell me they get their nails done and listen to this, um, and whatever you may be doing, I hope you get a little moment of reflection on 2021 because 2020 was um, maybe great for people, but it parts probably tough and just a chain, like a big pivot. So hopefully you guys get a chance to look at 2021, and if it was everything that you wanted to be and more, great. How do you continue that momentum? But if there are some changes that you want to make or don't know what the, don't know what they are, maybe it's just being open to as this new year comes kind of being open to what comes your way. So that that's yeah. kind of, you know, what I would say. And I'm trying to ride my momentum of calmness, but uh, we'll see what 2022 brings. Yeah, we will. You never know. Well, and even just listening to you, you know, I, I kind of highlighted the biggest thing I was thankful for being community that includes friends, schools, teams, you know, just kind of the whole, the whole experience for my family. But the other thing that also jumps out at me is actually my family. And, you know, in many ways that feels obvious and kind of like a no brainer. But I think again, if you, if I personally reflect on COVID and all that it did to our lives and how much kind of was taken away for, from what we were used to, what we knew, Um. you know, travel and, um, experiences of just being out and about and on the go and together all the time, you know, it really kind of forced us to slow down And I just have so many times felt so thankful for, of course, Ty, my husband, but our four little humans, they just have been so resilient and positive and fun through all of this. And, you know, I know like it's busy, life is busy and working full time and wanting to be there for them and present and show up all the time. It's, you know, some, some weeks go better than others, but certainly just so thankful for my family. And I wish, I wish we could just have actually all four of my kids on here for an episode and have you all, have you all get to meet them because they're, they're just so fun in their own unique little way, but man, they, they keep me going. No question. And one of the biggest things to be thankful for, for sure. Love it, Mom. And that's where I think, I think I remember you guys had like McKinstry dance parties, right? Until like, yeah, you guys did that in like the heart of 2020 lockdown. I want to say maybe 2021 as well, but it was just like dance parties with the four kiddos and like, how fun is that? You know what I mean? Like, I love it's, that, Mom. You really like, you know, you hear the importance of, you know, choosing your life partner if you if you choose to do that. And, yeah. you know, all that comes with having a family and, and having kids and it can get stressful and it can be a lot. And yeah, I don't know. I think we just felt so thankful that we had each other during all of this. And it, again, like to your point, really a calm, a calming feeling knowing well, I have Ty and we have each other and we have our kids and like, if we have nothing else, (laughs) we have that. So, you know, it's just a a really good thing to be, be thankful for. It's a very special thing to have small. So, um, yes, I'm glad that community and family was really something that you can reflect back on the past 12 months and maybe even 18 months. But I think that, um, it's special. You know what I mean? And that's what I will say. I didn't have my close family around, but I thank God for FaceTime. I think my sister checked in on me in 2020 alone a couple times a day. <laughs> so yeah. I think that it's great. But I love the kiddos. I think they help probably bring, you know, I love being around kiddos. They bring light to things. So oh I love that gosh. you had formal. You know what I mean? And they kept it going. Yeah, they're they are a trip. They really are. Good. Well, and you know, maybe that's a good segue to the topic of fighting for our people because I think yeah. even as we're reflecting on what we're thankful for, we are thankful for 
the people in our lives that helped us feel calm, that helped us feel like we were part of a community, that helped us feel like we were loved and part of a family. And that to me is a lot of the experience, you know, I think both of us, Liz, and I'll speak for myself, I I want to create for the people who work for me. I want them to feel like I am their advocate, that I have their back, that I always have their best interest, that they don't have to ask me for promotions. I'm always, I'm always thinking about what we can do for them next, right? So like, I think that's actually a good segue to the topic of fighting for our people, how we do it, why we do it, and just a little bit of a reflection there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all great. And one thing that I'll add is, and I think on the day-to-day for any people leaders listening, any actually individual contributors who might say, my manager, I want them to fight for me more. They don't bring it up. The one thing I want to add is, I do think managers are thinking about it quite a bit. Probably most organizations are doing some type of talent calibration and taking a look at their people. I think Robert talked about this um, on his, uh, you know, you're looking at your talent and trying to figure out if and when this comes up, who's ready for the next or when we need to hire this many people, what, who do we have that could be internal promotion? So there are conversations, but I think sometimes as leaders, we do our best to mention it, but sometimes it's not top of our mind, but I think it should be. So if you're listening to this and you're an IC, please bring it up to your manager. And I think when you do it in a way of saying, hey, it's on my mind, we don't need to talk about it today, but I'd like, you know, you kind of help lead the charge. I don't know if you should always have to manage up on this process, but you can say, I'd like to make sure we start the conversation. I want to be here, this title, this compensation range, this part of the organization, um, I don't know what kind of it is for all different, this level, whatever it might be. I want to be here and I'd like to do it in this time frame. I'd love to talk to you about, is that realistic? And what do I need to do to have that happen? And so I just want to say that because as people leaders, I think our job and our biggest thrill, as Molly said, is advocating for our people, but making sure we communicate it back is something I think we all need to check ourselves on because sometimes I think that we we miss that. I can speak sometimes. I miss speaking that saying, oh yeah, well, we're all talking about that. But do I always relay that back? So I think that's something that I've had yeah. to work on a lot as a people leader and make sure that I'm engaging that conversation with my with my team, my team. But also please, if you're an IC, don't be afraid to bring it up and have that conversation. You deserve that. So please, if you're sitting here saying, I need to have this conversation do it and don't put your people leader in a corner saying, we need to talk right now. I'm not saying you would, but say here, I would like to talk about it. Can we talk about it in the next one-on-one that we have or set up a separate meeting to talk about it? And you kind of lead that charge um, is also what I would say as we kick off this conversation. Yeah. And just a reminder for everyone that may not know, I see, I see is an individual contributor. That That's a bit of a sales vernacular, but an individual contributor, what that ostensibly means is you are not responsible for other people other than yourself at that point in your career. You're not leading a team. You don't have people working for you. You're an individual contributor responsible for yourself. Uh, and I completely agree with you, Liz. You know, it's it's a bit of this balance, right? You, all of us need to advocate for ourselves and what we want in our career. We cannot expect our boss, no matter what field we are in, to create paths for us, open doors for us, give us opportunity if we aren't also asking for it. And if we're not also asking for, you know, that opportunity and that type of conversation, On the flip side of that, I think my view leading my teams has always been, or I really, really try for it to be, I want my people to know that I'm always thinking about 
what is next for them? Where are they going? How can I help them? It really is a two-way street, but I'm all, I also think it's important to be a really, really effective people leader, manager, boss. Your team has to know you advocate for them in their absence. You want them to succeed. You want them to hit their career goals. I truly believe that when you show up that way for your people as a boss, people want to work for you. They want to be on your team. They want to continue to follow you. And, you know, all of us have probably heard the saying, people don't quit companies, they quit managers. And I I think that's incredibly true. And so our jobs as, again, a boss, a people leader, a manager is never make it easy for your people to leave you. And the way you do that is by advocating for them, believing in them, supporting them, and helping them grow. Yeah. And I think about the times that my bosses have advocated for me and pushed for me and we've had the conversations. It just makes me more and more, you know, loyal and wanting to work hard and do more. And I think it's incredible when like my favorite thing about being a people leader is probably watching people grow. You know, I've grown a ton being in corporate life. Um, but watching people grow is probably my favorite thing. And on that means me helping them get to what they want to get to next and helping push them to what they want to get to next. And that also includes all those things of advocating for them, but also being there to provide feedback and say, hey, here's what needs to happen for you to get there. Let's put a plan in place and let's do it. Let me help you understand who you also need to speak with in the organization if you want to move to a different type of role or this or that. And yeah, I, I think it's incredible. I just can't. There are times where sometimes I think you promote someone that maybe before you think they're a little bit ready. Everybody is going to rise to the occasion. And I think that that's what's been awesome to see is that people will what they will do when they see that people believe in them. I mean, my number one probably probably driver is when someone believes in me. I, the things that I will do for you is like second to none. Maybe it's the Taurus in me mall, my loyalty. But I think that when you when you fight for your people as a leader, I think it's like the, the one thing that I would also say that I've learned over the years is that kind of what I'm getting to is they don't have to be 100% ready for that next role. If they're 90% there and you think that they can do it with a little bit of kite coaching from you, but they have like the drive and the want for it, you promote them because what they will do and the loyalty that they were bringing, you got to watch them grow and you got to help coach yeah. them. They're going to coach you. And I think that that's incredible as well. It's like, you've got to give them feedback, but then also the belief that you have in them, they will feed it right back with what they will do and how much they'll grow as you yeah. put them into a position that stretches them. Yeah. And we heard Robert talk about that, right? We yes. heard Robert say, you know, his mentor, Rich Barton, kind of put him in positions before he was totally ready. And a lot of that came from just a, a belief in him and his in his potential. Liz and I have both been, I think, recipients of that as well, being put in positions before we even knew we were totally ready. But that is one of the incredible powers of being a really effective people leader. And I, I think it's just also important for you to know, for us to know that that is also a big responsibility. Like our, our people are, are looking to us to, to kind of push them, to help them come over, get overcome that imposter syndrome and for us to be their, their biggest fans. And the way you do that is to your point, Liz, give them feedback on areas that can, can develop or can get better. Make sure you're giving them the praise and the recognition of what they're doing so well. So they know, okay, this is working when I show up this way, when I participate in this mat, in this manner, 
this is working, they'll do more of it. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think it's one of the most fun parts of work, frankly, is helping people realize their full potential and helping them get there probably even a little bit earlier than they know they are ready, which is again, just a huge, a huge honor. It is. It's, it is. And I think that mall, because you and I were at Glassdoor for nearly 10 years, you were there for longer than 10 years now. We watched so many people come in. Yes, we were people that grew, you know what I mean? And Robert spoke about watching us grow, sure. But we also were like a part of interview loops of some people who were a level above us and they grew to become VPs or C-suite. And like, it's really, really cool to watch all that. And one thing that um, I would add as a people leader is a first line, second line manager a lot of times when I became like a a manager, I'd say first line or second line, I really wanted to make everything be as fair as possible. I wanted to be as black and white as possible. And I think that that's, you know, not having any hazy areas because that's where things can start to become unfair and tough. And I know that there's been different times in our sales world where um, it just, you know, uh, in in a sales sales example, where we have chosen to you know, we're changing accounts around and a rep's about to close an account. And it's a big account. Um, and I remember this one time I, I said, I want this to be black and white. You can't hang on to that account because no one else can. I'm going to take it from you. And this was like 10x the deal size. So it was a big deal for this rep. And I remember after I did it, it completely deflated that rep. And that rep eventually actually ended up leaving the business. And I still think about it because it was my first year being a director. And if I were to redo it, I actually would have let that rep keep the deal. The deal actually never closed. Um, the deal actually never closed within 30 days that the rep had asked to keep it for an extra 30 days. It didn't close, but it was, I had kind of taken this opportunity from her. And I think we could spend a lot of time on here. If we had a whole bunch of sales leaders, some people might say, no, absolutely. You tear that deal away. They can't have it. And sorry if this doesn't make sense to you, but I do think there's a lot of times that you try to do as black and white as you can to kind of keep all that, that, um, that, like I said, that gray area out. But there are certain times where you kind of say, you know what, I'm going to lean into the gray area and do this. So as you are fighting for your people, there might be somebody who's not quite ready and you might feel, we were kind of talking about this earlier. I still said like lean in and promote them. If they have the passion, the grit and the will and the want to do it and you've worked with them and you work well with them, they're going to get there. So again, that's why I would say if they're at 90%, I would still put them in that role and let them stretch to it. You're there to help support it um, and do it. And that's just a little bit of what I've reflected on over the years of where I've chosen probably to do the right thing and probably times where I've chosen to maybe do um, something that I, something like I, I went black and white on like that deal, for example, and that nowadays I would probably do it a little bit differently. Yeah, I know. And I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that it's one again of the the burdens, if you will, of being in leadership is you, you know, you need to create rules and policies yeah. and, and build an approach that can scale and that can be repeated and that, you know, the team can have in place in your absence, right? Because like the highest performing teams can continue to perform at a high level if you take the leader out. That can't happen if you're not creating delegation and systems for the team to thrive under. At the same time, I know what you're saying, which is like sometimes we build rules or we build policies. And then when there are these edge cases, it's really hard to not think of the impact on the person or think of why that policy or decision we made now that we're in this kind of exception situation, it doesn't feel as good and as obviously right as I thought it was. Yeah. Right. Exactly. One thing I do in those situations that to your point though, Liz, you know, has been a learning and isn't always easy. 
my people do come to me and ask, I mean, I think like any boss, any leader, and they, they ask for things that may fall outside of the lines a bit. Like, hey, you know, this, this person did this one thing that I want to pay them for, even though that's not really in our comp plan. Or this person wants to, to your point, we're in sales, sell this deal that's not really theirs to sell, but I think they should and here's why. One of the things that I've gotten really, really kind of committed to is whenever I am asked to make an exception, I go back to my team and say, okay, this is what's currently on the table. This is what we need to make a decision around. And if we're going to make it here in this case, then we need to basically take a moment and look at all the other times this has happened and what have we done? Because if we didn't make an exception in those cases, but we think this situation is deserving of it, what's the difference? What's the difference? And if there is no difference, then we need to go back retroactively and do the same thing. And I think that's a really important just principle because it allows your team to begin to understand, is this an exception really worth asking to be made or does this happen all the time? It, it doesn't feel great, but I know there are other parts, you know, of the business or of my job that are, are really generous. And this is just like one of those things that's not going to go my way. Yeah. And I think it'll also keep people from just pushing and saying, Hey, can I ask for an exception? Exceptions are happening all the time. That gray area is shining through, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that can get a very slippery slope. So, and I didn't mean to derail us. So thank you, Molly. I didn't mean to derail us off of like, um, exceptions here and there, but a deal in our sales world that we're talking about is a little bit different than exceptions on your people and fighting for your people. But I do want to say like, if there's a black and white situation where does this person have all of these skills, I think that there is a time where you can say I'm pulling this person up because they have what skills are the most important, but maybe a couple are still developing. I think it's okay to pull people up a little prematurely because they will thrive off of knowing that someone believes in them, that someone is fighting for them. And Molly, I love how you say, you are their advocate in the room when you're doing talent calibrations. Like Robert said, he's like, we do talk about people and we figure out who's right for this role when it comes up. And I think it's so important that they, your people understand that you are fighting for them and what you are going to say for them in those situations. Yeah, uh, no question. I think that's so true. And again, it's if you don't think that that's going to excite you or motivate you or fire you up, then leading people and being responsible for people's career and growth may not be something, you know, for you. You you may not like that, but I I can just say reflecting for me, it's it's one of the most gratifying parts of of the job and and the experience. So I know we are coming up on time and I feel like we kind of are um these are some big big concepts. Yeah. 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 There's some big concepts. I just think for me, the takeaway is as a, as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, know that the more you advocate and fight for your people and their growth and their development and their advancement, the more loyal and committed to you they will be. And I think those are just the high, the highest performing teams I ever see when there is just this intense feeling of loyalty and and like deep connection, which you only get by investing in, in your people. It's the only way you get it. 
Completely. I agree. And it is, it is like a very, very, very special thing. And remember to, you get that power. And so in, you know what I mean? Like you get that power and it's a, it's a great thing to have. So, um, so yeah, a great conversation, Molly, always great to see you and, um, everybody please enjoy your final days of 2021. Remember to be bold and to always eat dessert. Yes. Happy end of 2021 saucers. We appreciate you are so thankful for you. Yes. And sounds like we can say, we'll see you next year. We will see you next year. I love it. Good to see you, Molly. You too. Bye Lizzie. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.